you know when I'm alone, I think too much just inhale slow like push a bit. Let's get it. Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Dreamers Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Jordan. Today, we're going to talk about Twitter. I love it. It's a great social media platform, but not everyone is a fan. And it can be even more daunting when you're trying to tackle Twitter from a business perspective. A lot of times you might get lots of great jokes and memes on your personal Twitter, but trying to engage and connect with an audience and build a community on Twitter for business applications can be tough. Not knowing what to tweet, figuring out how to engage and cultivate a community, grow a following, how to engage and connect with other influencers, it can be a lot to sort through. So we've got an expert on the show that's going to help us break it all down, give us some great tips and strategies that we can run with, and hopefully grow our Twitter community and cut through the noise. So grab a pen, grab some paper, turn up the volume, and let's get to it. All right, everyone. Well, welcome back to another episode of For the Dreamers podcast. We actually have a really, really exciting show for you guys today. Um, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite social media platforms, and that is Twitter. Um, and fortunately for everyone out there listening, you're not going to have to hear me drone on about it because we've actually brought on an expert today. We actually have Christy Salinas with us. She is the social media strategist at the Zebra, which is honestly one of the coolest platforms I've actually heard of. If you're actually in the insurance business, um, there's actually a really cool marketplace website that allows you to compare and contrast different insurance rates. Um, and she can kind of tell you more about that when she joins the uh, episode, but we're actually going to be talking today about uh, the topic is really tweeting in a crowd. You know, how to maximize uh, the ROI for Twitter. You know, how are you able to increase engagement, visibility for your brand through the medium of Twitter? So she's going to jump on and kind of tell us all about it. Tell us how she works on a day to day basis to help promote the visibility of the Zebra's content, some of the tools and strategies she's using. Um, and she has a lot of experience in this area, and so really excited for her to have us joining us. And so without further ado, we present Ms. Christy Salinas. How are you doing? Hi. Uh, I'm doing well, and thanks for the introduction. It's just funny when you said exciting and insurance in the same sentence. <laughs> it's not very hard to be excited in this space, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's we're, I feel like we're like a young brand that's actually changing the way people think about insurance. So I'm glad you think of us that way. Absolutely. I think, you know, I, I don't say that lightly and I don't say that just because you're on the show, but one of the things I find that is very intriguing about the zebra is it is very refreshing. I think to look at a brand who resides in a field or a space or an industry that's not exactly um, the aesthetic is not actually maybe uh, as pop or attractive or as sexy as, you know, other retail brands might be. But the Zebra actually provides a really refreshing perspective for users that are shopping and trying to navigate the insurance space. And a lot of that, I think, has to tie into social and how you guys brand and how you guys market not only your product, uh, but the industry itself, I think you can just kind of provide a fresh perspective. So I don't say that lately. I and mean, you guys really have done your homework on, you know, just interacting with end users and UX and social and things like that. So, I mean, I imagine that was quite a bit of work just kind of getting that all together because it does, you guys definitely seem like you know what you're doing. Well, I'm glad it seems that way. <laughs> um, so, so the Zebra has been around since 2012. We're still relatively, I mean, 
even if we've only been around for about five years, we're still a young startup in that the marketing team when I started in June of 2016 was so much smaller. I think right now we're about 12 people. Um, I'm the first social media hire. They just, you know, used to hire somebody to be like the Jack or Jane of all trades and try to tackle everything. And I think as we continue to scale the company and the product, um, I feel really grateful to work where management understands the importance of marketing because a lot of times they'll like invest all their time and effort in the product. And then they're like, what people will find out about this. It's like, no, you, you have to have, you know, you need to have a marketing strategy to present everything to the world. And so the last year and a half that I've been here, we've, you know, it's been a big push. We have an amazing designer. They did a brand book we've updated everything on the website um, with the launch of our new product, the insurability score. We made sure that we had, you know, for the first time, a brand campaign that traveled every channel, including all of the paid online marketing. So, yeah, it's been pretty interesting. And, uh, yeah, I would, I can't take all the credit. We have a really up team. No, that's awesome. That's awesome here. It's really cool to hear and learn about so many different uh, unique brands and companies that are doing some really cool stuff in various industries. Now, Obviously, your background is social, social media strategist, and, you know, you're, I've talked to you, we've had several conversations, and right away, I could just tell you know what you're talking about. You know, you're definitely what I would consider an expert uh, in the field, and so um, today's topic is tweeting in a crowd, you know, how to build engagement on Twitter and how to gain visibility on Twitter. I think just from a, a just a personal standpoint, how much do you use Twitter on a daily basis, you know, as a social media strategist? I love Twitter. That's my favorite platform. And I think, you know, people talk about like, I'm going to delete Facebook from my phone, whatever. I would delete everything but Twitter. Sure, there are things that I don't want to, if something is trending, uh, sometimes I don't want to look, but I still do. <laughs> it's silly, but I honestly, it's just, if you want to meet new people, and actually have like a network, Twitter is perfect for that. There are so many, I feel like I have like a social network on Twitter, people I've never met. I have no idea what their voices sound like, but we all, you know, engage all the time or share ideas. So it's a lot of fun. I think you can probably tell that it's my favorite if you just looked at all of our social (laughs) channels as well. Yeah. (laughs) So do you, would you say, I guess, between work and personal I guess, how many hours a day are you dedicating to Twitter? Would you say you're on there? I mean, at work, I have all the tabs up possible. <laughs> I always yeah. have Facebook up. Um, Facebook, we get a lot of comments and stuff come in, so I'm constantly monitoring that. Um, but I always have Twitter, too. It's just I like to check in. Um, right. If for When I'm at home in my free time, I'll go on Facebook because we have a lot of groups that I'm, you know, I'm part of and I want to keep up with everyone. But if I could, if I had a choice to give up something, like if I had to give up something for like a month, mm-hmm. I would Facebook over Twitter, I think. Okay. I got you. I got you. So I kind of wanted to just jump right in and kind of get your feedback on something. Um, a lot of folks that I've interacted with and that come to me for advice when it comes to, you know, getting started on social for your brand or, you know, finding which platform works for me. A lot of people tend to shy away from Twitter because it doesn't seem as intuitive as some of the other platforms. You know, you create a Facebook page. It really seems to be organized for businesses. You know, your business name goes here. Here's a template for how to fill out your company profile, depending on the industry that you work in. They really seem to streamline that platform. Um, The same with, you know, 
uh, other platforms, I would say, uh, like Yelp and things like that, which are kind of intended social media platforms specifically for businesses to promote their wares and services. Twitter seems to feel like a little bit of a wild, wild west. You can tell the key influencers, you can tell both celebrities, politicians, brand ambassadors and things like that pretty quickly from interacting on the platform. But there always seems to be a wealth of information flowing just through the Twitter sphere. And it's hard for brands that are just beginning to figure out how I can leverage Twitter to my advantage and how I can kind of tap into this this amazing stream of information to at least get some real estate for people to notice me. Um, and I think from that standpoint, I really wanted you to comment on if a brand has selected Twitter as a platform or a channel that they see that they can grow on and have success in. I guess, what's the first thing you do to orient yourself as a brand into this new space? And maybe with your feedback, you know, the Zebra kind of being a relatively young startup company, you've had to go through this process and you've had to kind of create a platform. You've had to create a niche where there once was just a flow of information. So um, I guess my personal rule for all social media channels is if you're not going to spend the time in it, I wouldn't recommend it. So a lot of people think that for Twitter, you can set up a profile, you know, fill in the bio, put your website, and then just automate tweets. Right. And yes, you can do that. There are lots of brands and you can see some marketers that do that solely, but Twitter won't pay off unless you put in the time and engage and connect with other people. Like they constantly, I mean, you've probably heard this where people talk about like, it's like a cocktail party. You're not just going to walk in and just yell stuff at people. And that's what <laughs> Twitter. And there's a lot of bots and stuff too, that kind of um, muddle stuff up. But I think the cool thing about Twitter is that there are lots of tools out there that can help you maximize um, what you get out of it. So for example, I use Sprout Social. So I connect our Twitter accounts. I set up keywords that I want to track, um, even stuff that's not related to the brand. So, for example, the Zebra, we're a car insurance marketplace slash search engine. So I had set up keywords about people talking about insurance in a negative or positive way. And so stuff like that. Um, if somebody's completely new to Twitter, that's a little bit different. Um, it's funny because I have set up some social media profiles for people who work here who are like, I don't understand Twitter. And then I end mm -hmm. up getting love it because um, I think just follow, you know, maybe follow like 10 or 20 people that are in your space. If you do a quick search, you can probably find somebody who's in your industry that you can follow or, you know, even a reporter that you follow. So just get an idea of how people are using it and then, you know, just start. Um, it's, I guess it's not considered a like, it's called favoriting on Twitter and stuff, but I would just start with something like that and just trying to get a feel for what it is. Um, and then we can talk about scheduling and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I just think it's something that kind of play around with it to see if it's a good fit for your brand mm -hmm. before just jumping all in. Right. No, and that, that's a very smart point, um, you know, because and, and that's something actually we had covered in a previous episode of when it comes to really selecting and narrowing down, OK, if I'm going to join social, how I'm going to do it, making sure you look at the platforms and identify the characteristics of those and then figuring out if those line up with your objectives and also do you have the time to commit to really making it work? Because obviously, as we know, as professional social media marketers, success doesn't come overnight. And it takes a lot of time and energy to really build out your niche and build out that audience. And so I guess kind of going a level deeper, 
say someone has kind of done that assessment, that self-check. They say, nope, Twitter is the one I want to use. It lines up with what we're trying to do. I really feel like the right influencers, the right audience is here. I can really kind of influence the conversation. I have content that will work. And so now they're kind of up and going. They've got the profile going. They've been developing pieces of content. They've been trying to do things, but maybe it's not working. You know, maybe you're putting out seven to eight pieces of content a week. You're trying to engage in some type of two-way communication with some of your uh, followers uh, within your audience. You know, you're responding, you're replying, but, you know, retweets and likes just aren't coming as often as you'd like. And it really seems that engagement on content is stagnant. Are there things that one can do to, A, boost engagement just from an organic methodology, and B, um, what are the things that you look for when it comes to assessing if content will work for your audience or not? Well, the one thing that comes to mind is asking, are you using any sort of tool? So Mm -hmm. even if you don't have a tool, Twitter has an analytics feature that I'm pretty sure every profile has access to it. It doesn't have to be a business profile. And you can actually go and see, let's say you've had it for a month. You can go and see which were your top tweets. It'll tell you the time. You can get a feeling for when your audience is on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, It's pretty much in real time. Um, And so that's the first thing. Just kind of see what is getting the most engagement and figuring out the times. But other things you can do, whether it's as the brand or your own personal brand, is participate in other social media activities or other Twitter activities. So one of my favorite things to do on Twitter is to join other Twitter chats where I get to meet other marketers. I can join chats that are related to, in our field, InsureTech. Um, so I'll try to find stuff that's related to insurance and tech or personal finance. That's not always around, but I'll join others for content and social media. And that's how I'm able to um, actually have these, you know, online relationships with people who I've never met, but we recognize each other from just joining the same chat all the time. Um, Another thing is seeing what is trending and seeing if there's something that you can do to participate in that. So sometimes like you'll see this with brands, it's like national dog day and they'll like, you know, be tweeting pictures of dogs and stuff like that. So I think showing that you're active and engaged will just you know, it might take time. You know, some people are lucky and can get like a huge following really quick, but other times it's very slow and it can come in seasons and stuff like that. So I just think if you're persistent and uh, patient, all that work does pay off. Okay. Very good. Very okay, good. Question, which I forgot. <laughs> no, 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 no worries. Um, the, the other thing was uh, how do you assess content to see if it is, will work for the audience? All right. So, Another thing that and this is across all our social networks, too. Um, I'm not trying to sell anything to anyone, even though we are a car insurance um, search engine. You know, I'm not telling everybody all the time to come use our site. So we do write our own content in-house. I think we publish about three or four articles a week right now. But I also make sure that I share other people's content with other um I guess they're, they're similar in that maybe they have the same mission. Uh, like, so for example, we're trying to make insurance education a priority and making everything more transparent. So one of the things that's kind of related to that is personal finance. So if somebody has like an article about credit, we can share that as well because credit can impact how much you pay for car insurance, except for three states. So finding stuff that's similar, think of it as like a web where you have one thing that you keep just moving along it and finding similar content. 
And over time, I think you'll get to, you'll find out what resonates most with your audience. A good thing about sharing other people's content is that you can also tag them and they might retweet you and you might have your brand exposed to another audience as well. So I just think if you're just doing sales pitches all the time, that's going to turn people off. No, that's a good point. I think one of the things that keeps kind of ringing in my head listening to some of your responses is this, I guess, a certain level of authenticity from a brand. And while you don't want to come across as salesy, I think it's intriguing how both having really good original content that you're producing, as well as engaging in certain dialogues, whether it's jumping on popular hashtags and kind of joining the conversation, sharing um, sharing content that might be relevant for your audience, even if it's not from you, um, I guess really does build a level of rapport with your audience. And it does come across as not this brand has a superior product and they just want me to buy it, but maybe this brand is adding value-added content to my sphere and therefore there's a certain amount of allegiance or support for a certain brand and it does boost i guess the overall brand image um than just like you said shouting we're the best we're the best we're the best all the time um and i kind of want to shift gears a little bit because all of what you said are really dropping some gems and this is kind of exciting for uh for the show and the audience as a whole um but there are times and i think even with the recent rollout you guys have been doing an incredible amount of marketing for this um for the new product that you guys have just put on the street but there's at times where you'll have a big campaign or something big that you want to move heaven and earth for you really want it to make a splash and Twitter is a great platform where things can go viral pretty quickly. You know, sharing information and things like that um, can really move. Even, you know, using maybe the recent rollout as an anecdote, has have you found anything or any strategies or any tips that you've been using when it comes to, I guess, trying to put some boost behind a certain content piece where you have a big campaign or big rollout are there things that you're doing um in the process of putting out something that's major um to help accelerate the visibility you know are you breadcrumbing certain pieces of content saying hey something big is coming um does it mean reaching out to influencers and say hey we're putting something out can you guys make sure that you guys put something out as well? Um, is it solely organic? Are you using a certain amount of paid advertising on Twitter as well? Um, maybe speak to that when it comes to big statement pieces or looking for big home runs on Twitter. Are there things or strategies that we should be looking for? Sure. I'll start with all the free stuff because I think um, a lot of small businesses or a lot of small brands don't want to spend money on something that's not necessarily um, going to generate like new leads or customers. Mm-hmm. And so, um, one thing that we have done here as a company, I think right now we're about 60 people. We have a group chat. And so a lot of companies use Slack. We use hip chat. Um, so you can create different rooms. And what I did is I created a social media change log room where I just only drop links to things that I'm sharing. And I ask all of our employees to either retweet or engage or some, or share and so that's a, if you, you know, recruit your coworkers to be advocates for your brand, that's an easy way to just start sharing your content. And honestly, you'd be surprised how many people are willing to do that. At first I was like, no one cares about our Twitter account. Nobody cares about our Facebook, but especially for a big announcement where everybody was involved, like a big, a lot of people were involved in our insurability score. So they were very proud to share it. So, you know, I dropped the link. Here's the first tweet about it. You see all these retweets and stuff. And what ended up happening 
is um, our CEO, or I guess former CEO, because he's our co-founder and he's now our president. Um, he was retweeted by Mark Cuban, who he has a relationship with because he did a cold pitch. There's a whole crazy story. Basically, our CEO, when he was starting this company, um, sent an email to Mark Cuban asking him to invest, and it worked. So he was one of the first investors of the Zebra. So wow. by having um, our co-founder retweet us, Mark Cuban saw that and then retweeted it. And I was just like, oh, my God, how did I get 300 visits to this one? <laughs> what happened? Um, so, yeah, you never know what can happen when you get people to share within their own networks. You never know who's going to see something. So that was right. a, that me reaching out to any influencers. Um, I did create a list of different organizations, influencers that I would reach out to just to just spread the word. So that's another free thing. Um, I use tools like Sprout Social. I use a man Twitter so I can search people's bios. Um, I went on LinkedIn and I was, you know, thinking of other startups that are at least in Austin that I figured some of my coworkers would have connections to. So I had coworkers introduce me to people. So I built that list. Um, I'm sure there's other things too. I think um, having a designer on the team is very helpful. This is the first time that I've ever worked at a company where we had our own designer. And so she made sure that we had all these amazing graphics that we could share, but before I used to make them on Canva. So I think as long as you do something that'll accompany um, your campaign and that can um, get people's attention, because I think, yes, you can do those little summary cards on Twitter where you share a link and it pre-populates stuff. But I think an image also like can really stand out. Right. So those those are some of the free things that we do. Um, I do um, manage social media ads. So I um, I play with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn. Always have that kind of stuff going on. But it's always, I mean, honestly, I haven't even spent that much money on the campaign that we're doing now for the launch. Like I I have the ability to spend a lot if I want to. But if something's working, then I'm not gonna. Um, you know, blow all my budget. <laughs> and right. like, um, so I do. Um, so for Twitter ads, I should say it's hit or miss. Um, I always have some sort of follower type ad going on with like any platform. Um, and then I'll promote our content on Twitter too. So it's just like a promoted tweet. And uh, those, you know, like I said, those are hit or miss. I think a lot of people feel the same way about Twitter ads in general, where, people aren't really sure what to make of them yet. And then another thing that we do a lot to boost engagement, and it's a combination of paid and unpaid, is we do a lot of Twitter polls. So we're doing them at least once a month, and we pick a topic that we know people are going to be very passionate about. And so even though we're insurance, we also talk a lot about Uber and Lyft and ride sharing. So mm -hmm. I did all about, uh, and it was related to an article we were going to write. So we you know, asked um, people questions like, would you, if you found out your driver had committed a crime, would you still like take the ride? You know? And then it was just like, Oh yes, I believe in second chances and stuff like that. And it's just getting something where, you know, somebody has a strong opinion, like people not only vote, but they'll just like kind of yell at you <laughs> if they don't agree or agree. But right. I honestly love any feedback. I am just like, yes, you can yell at us about Uber. We have nothing to do with that, but I, I love your opinion. Thank you. So um, if you can find a way to tie something like that with your announcement or a product launch, or maybe it's just a push because it's, you know, your the first quarter of the year and that's your biggest quarter, you know, find a way to get people, I guess, to talk back to you 
people want to talk. You right. read comment. You read, you read those tweets. Right. Right. No, I, I, I think this is really good stuff. Um, and I, I, I really like the point that you made about uh, the polls, because I actually really hadn't dawned on me about starting conversations. A lot of times you hope that the content you write in the long form, whether it be an article or a cool image, sparks some type of organic conversation. But Twitter does make it actually really easy now with the Twitter poll feature to actually start conversations just by asking for opinions. Um, and now... And I, I think another thing that you have put me onto is the idea of Twitter chats that you guys have used in the past as well to facilitate conversations. Um, now, with Twitter chats, I know there's a, le a level of legwork and it's not as convenient maybe as a Twitter poll. Um, but do you find that there is the same amount of ROI on a Twitter chat versus maybe the poll versus maybe just boosting um, content organically? Maybe speak to, you know, when, when, might be, when might it be appropriate to pull out a Twitter chat from Arsenal versus just using some of these other methods, methods that you mentioned before? That's a great question because that's something I was just talking about today with one of my um, – with one of my supervisors. So Twitter chats are a lot of work. Um, I think there are some organizations that can pull up a Twitter chat every week. And mm -hmm. the ones that I found do that are, you know, usually related to marketing where there are endless topics, you know, all right. the marketing on Twitter. Um, in our case, we focus on personal finance or tech. So our, we, we chose to do it once a month because they are so much work. We go out of our way to try to secure featured guests that are, um, big brands that can also serve as our subject matter experts. And then we do invite a lot of people. The more you do them, the more regulars you have. So that's um, at least, you know, you can be consistent and have a good following. Um, and then the cool thing is, and it depends on what you want to get out of your Twitter chat. We always turn those into articles. So a lot of times you'll see, um, if you participate in a chat, they'll just have the, the questions and then just like copy and paste people's tweets in there and that's it. But we actually write, we use that to write like in-depth content and um, really give people like good quality information about that subject and then use those tweets as like almost like a pull quote that kind of emphasizes that point. Mm -hmm. And at the end, you know, we do the recap in the bottom, we put the questions and all the answers. But um, by doing that, people want to share that they were quoted in an article. So, right. you know, after you publish that, you just tweeted to everybody who participated, like, here it is. So then people will retweet that. And then, you know, that continues to live on through organic search too. So there was a, um, I think it was in July, maybe it was August. We did an insure tech chat where we invited insurance carriers and we had um, somebody who was an influencer in that space as well. And, I haven't promoted that article at all on social, but I saw that it was shared again today. And wow. so, so I think if you make the recap post more than just a recap post, like you just continue to get more out of it. People ask all the time when zebra chat is happening. Um, and I think we're also, we really here internally emphasize quality over quantity. So we've talked about like, well, what if we just did, um, once a quarter and just like made them huge, you know, and like get like 10 confirmed guests, you know, or if you want to have it every week and have people just jump in every, you know, every like Monday at 3 PM, I'm not sure what time would work best, but you right. have to make a time that doesn't compete with other popular ones. I will say that. Um, but a lot of times, like for example, Twitter smarter, 
Um, that's with Madeline Scalar. She's a huge Twitter influencer. I have her chat on my calendar that if I am available Thursdays at noon, I believe it's Thursdays, but if I'm available just that time, I'm going to jump in and I have that blocked off on my work calendar because I think it's important to participate. And there are two other ones too, um, that I try to join in. It's just, you know, we all work and we have meetings and right. I always make time for them. Right. No. Um, and I want to quickly recap because you have really kind of shared some really cool, cool insights um, on just, you know, how to really build engagement. And so just for our listeners, um, you know, I just want to recap really quickly. First is the self-assessment, really making sure, do you have the time? If you're going to use Twitter, making sure that you're going to commit to it and really building out the time to make sure, A, that you're investing in the content, but also in the follow-up and the engaging conversation piece. Um, second here, I've written down, be authentic. Um, don't overhype yourself. It's not a sales pitch. I love the line you said about you wouldn't go to a cocktail party and shout at everyone and leave, you know, use Twitter in the same way. Look for opportunities to be authentic with your audience. You know, don't just push self, share others that are using relevant content. Um, another thing you mentioned, value in personal networks, you know, whether it's your team, whether it's people within your professional network, you know, simply asking folks to share or sharing information and say, hey, is this cool? You know, hey, would you be interested in sharing this? Putting that out there sometimes, like you mentioned, you find tremendous value because folks might be connected to influencers, might be connected to new audiences that you would have never found had you pushed it out just through your channel. So there's a lot of value in personal networks. And also, Big success can be found through organic means. Not necessarily do you have to be cutting the check just to make a, a campaign blow up. You know, sometimes, like you said, through in starting conversations on Twitter, um, sharing with your organic network, and just really kind of being authentic and being able to jump in Twitter uh, chats, possibly using relevant hashtags, you can really grow visibility that way through your content without cutting a check necessarily. So I just wanted to recap really quick while we're kind of moving through all these topics for the folks listening um, and maybe not having a chance to take notes because you're really dropping a lot of dimes here today. Um, as we kind of, uh, we got a few minutes left before we kind of close this thing out. So I wanted to kind of ask another question to kind of get the, uh, get the synapses firing a little bit more. Um, one of the things that I've seen, at least in my professional experience from using Twitter, uh, is that there is a, a challenge sometimes when you're in a space and you might have seen some level of moderate success and then you always get, um, whether it be the troll, whether it be, you know, just the bots, there always seems to be a little bit of dissidence on Twitter. People are just, you know, there for opinion. Sometimes you get someone that just wants to make fun, someone that just wants to detract from the content that you're putting out there. Um, when it comes to starting a, uh, a brand and, and actively dealing with situations like that, how important is it to maintain a corporate persona versus extending the brand to kind of getting into the weeds with users, whether it's on the accuracy of information, whether it's on, you know, well, this content, we don't like it, it sucks. You know, I think how important is brand voice to you being a social media strategist? And I think what's your, I guess, what's your position on that? Because we've seen, and I've seen personally, some brands do a really good job of personifying themselves almost as a unique individual, where the brand voice is that of someone that's laid back, relaxed, anything goes. I mean, you see that with certain brands like sports teams, where you'll see banter back and forth between corporate accounts. Uh, but I guess when it comes to stuff like that, 
dealing with trolls, dealing with just the general public and audience, how important is brand voice and how do you really decide, you know, what the voice of your brand is going to look like? So there's two things. One, uh, we actually had conversations about brand voice. Like what, what does the zebra sound like? And mm-hmm. believe it or not, I have a document saying, you know, stuff like how, how often we might use an exclamation point or something like that. You know, right. um, we decided we wanted our brand voice to be witty, but not snarky. Mm-hmm. Um, have a sense of humor. And so if you looked at our feed, you might see a really cheesy pun. <laughs> <laughs> that I other people and I say, is this kind of lame? They're like, no, it's cute or, you know, stuff like that. So I think um, I, it depends if you have a team or just a supervisor or even if it's just for yourself, just put in a document. What do you want to represent yourself as or your brand as? And then just if you do report to anybody, make sure everybody's in agreement. Right. So you don't want to come up with something and then like, you know, management's like, what is that? Uh, that, just, that makes no sense. I did not agree to this. And so we had several conversations about that. I have created strategy documents and stuff to support that. Another thing that I did is I created a comments policy. And so it's not anything super like in depth. I found, you know, I think it was HubSpot and some other, like maybe Buffer two had blog posts about it. And I just, you know, pick and choke, like picked and choose one of um, certain things that I like from it. And so I actually have like, I have like little categories. Like if somebody is spamming or trolling, like we're not going to engage with them. Or if somebody has a legitimate complaint, we are going to respond to them. And then we have um, some approved copy based on other discussions, like of how we would approach certain things. So at my previous job, um, I worked at an agency. We, we did a lot of crisis management. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of firsthand experience of how to handle negative comments because we were handling something that um, was pretty severe at the last job where it, um, it got really out of hand. So uh, I just wanted to make sure that we were prepared in the event something happened. Luckily, right. nothing like that ever happened here. But, of course, you're going to have people complaining about customer service or product or something. So you just want to make sure if they are legitimate concerns, you do reply. If it's somebody trolling, uh, you'd be surprised how many people want to blame insurance problems on Obama or Trump. (laughs) And of course it's like, um, (laughs) not even, I don't even know how to address these. So if somebody's obviously trolling or if they're a bot or something, I wouldn't be concerned. I mean, you want to make sure um, whoever is doing that, you kind of want to vet them too. So somebody who might seem like they have a very small following and they're complaining, they might be tagging another huge brand to get right. there. So just kind of double check everything. Don't, you know, say like, oh, this person only has 10 followers. So I'm not going to address it. You never know. Like that person could work for somebody much bigger brand. I don't know. But I think just putting all those things on paper um, and it's something like I refer to them all the time too. It's like, I don't remember everything I write. You'd be surprised how many Google docs <laughs> I have. <laughs> I created it. So I just make sure, um, I have, I'm very organized on my, on Chrome, on my browser. I have all these folders or like PR reporting tools. And I just dump all the stuff that I'm, I'm going to need to refer to. Um, and you know, they come in handy. Awesome. no. Last note I have on here, you hit it on the head, is organization, writing this stuff down. You know, as you think through these things and as you decide on what your methodology or strategy is going to be, keeping yourself organized. Because even as professional social media strategists and marketers, we don't always remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, you know, first off, um, 
I say first off, you know, we're at the end of the show, first off. <laughs> but, you know, in closing, I really kind of, first off, want to thank you for joining. I think you've really done a great job of breaking down not only Twitter as the beast of a platform that it is, but how to really master and effectively use it as a business and as a brand. Um, the authenticity concept, the idea of sharing valuable content within your network and looking for ways to maximize your organic reach, and then the success that you can have from organization and thinking through strategies and writing those down and documenting processes is very important for any brand, no matter what stage it is, from early startup to seasoned and you know been in the game for 40 years. Uh, so I think these are all strategies that young marketers and new marketers or never been a marketer and just running a personal side business can all kind of take this and run with it. So thank you for coming on the show and dropping some knowledge. <laughs> thank you for inviting me. Uh, I, it's funny cause I don't think about these things until people ask these questions. So I'm glad you found this information very useful. Absolutely. And I'm sure the listeners will as well. Um, I kind of wanted to give you a quick uh, a quick rundown of how we do things on the show. Now that we've get done the serious part, now that we've kind of talked about the subject at hand, we like to wrap things up with a little bit of fun. And we kind of call this our... Uh, our 10 questions rapid fire section. We haven't come up with an official name yet. And so we'll, once, once, once we get an official name, we'll actually have something to call this part of the show. But it's simply the part of the show where we run through 10 questions to help us better know a little bit about Christy. Um, and so these aren't your traditional questions, get to know you questions. These aren't your, we didn't Google, you know, some generic, you know, 50 random questions asked somebody. These are truly inspired by the genius or the lack of genius of myself. And so I this, could be scared. <laughs> you might be a little scared. I, all I ask is you kind of give us, you know, a quick fire response. You think first thing that pops in your head or your, your gut response that will kind of keep it moving and go from there. And then at the end, we'll give you a second to kind of leave us with a nugget or a gem from Christy. And then we'll kind of give you a shout out to the end and we'll call it a day. So without further ado, let's get right into it. All right. First question. Favorite color? Blue. Blue. Excellent. Tacos or fajitas? Um, well, I mean, you can have fajitas in a taco. I turn everything into a taco. Turn, you know what tacos it is i like that i turned i like to think i turn everything into a taco as well you just fold it up and mwah, it's yeah. taco um all right this is an interesting one if you can only eat one of these for the rest of your life which would it be pizza chinese food or subs mm. maybe pizza Pizza? I, I, I was hoping so. Pizza is, I feel like that's got to be the go-to. I mean, I, I can't I can't really see myself eating any of those other things uh, for the rest of my life. But pizza? Always pizza. I mean, I feel like you'll be, you'll feel awful anyway, but maybe pizza a little bit less awful. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd actually feel that bad eating pizza for the rest of my life. I don't necessarily know if I need broccoli to finish. I could live off pizza. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Banana split or ice cream sundae? Um, I'm actually not a huge ice cream fan, but I would probably do a Sunday over a split. I can hear the moans from the other side of this podcast no. as people hear you saying that. Not an ice cream I'm fan. Not ice cream, but it's not something that I crave. Got you, got you. Well, hopefully there will be one flavor one day that will make you a believer. Somebody's going to tweet at me about this. I know. Yeah, no, it's coming. The rage is coming from our listeners. Um, okay, who's the greatest singer of all time? Any genre. Who's the greatest singer of all time? 
Selena. I'm always gonna say Selena. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, who has better hair? This is a funny one. Jennifer Aniston or David Beckham? Who has better hair? Jennifer Aniston. It, Jennifer Aniston. Okay. Is that from like the Friends days or currently? She just always has better hair? Always does. Like, I, I mean, I think of Friends, I think of her and her hair. Just always popping. Jennifer Aniston. I like it. Okay. This is a funny one. Who would you choose to play your romantic lead in your own biopic? Andy Samberg or Seth Rogen? <laughs> We've got two goofy uh, comedians. Who would you pick out of those two? Oh, man. It's funny because I'm such a huge comedy nerd. Um, I feel like my life, if it, you know, if it's my story, probably like a Seth Rogen. Yeah. Just feel like I'd get along with him more. Okay. I can yeah. Yeah, so I mean, Seth, and honestly, a lot of his recent roles, he's shown a lot of versatility. He, yeah, he has. I have both. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I like that. Um, all right, for $100,000, could you live with having to shave your eyebrows for a year? Could you live without eyebrows for a year for $100,000? I guess so. Yeah, you can draw them in. <laughs> I like that. Thinking outside the box. I like that. All right. If you could have one as a pet, would you rather have a kangaroo or a koala bear? <laughs> Both are kind of violent. I think I'd take <laughs> this funny article that someone shared in our marketing chat about somebody putting a koala on Craigslist for sale, like somewhere in Colorado. And it was just ridiculous. Like I shared that with everyone because I, there were so many things I did not know about koalas. I can't probably say them on these, this podcast. If I find the link, I'll send it to you because it is ridiculous. Please so. do so we can actually share that with the listeners as well. <laughs> Very like my, my whole perspective of koala bears has now changed. I was they're like, not- they're both violent. I'm like, it's a koala bear. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Um, I you know what? Maybe a kangaroo. Kangaroo? I like that. Kangaroos seem like they're pretty docile as young kangaroos, and maybe the violent streak kind of as they mature and realize that they're bigger and stronger than you, it, maybe that's when it appears. I feel like maybe I'm making this up. Isn't there a stat how they, they just kill so many people, or am I making that up? I'm probably. You know I don't know. Correct me and tweet it to me. I'm probably very wrong. The social media strategist and zoologist Christy Salinas. That's just what you became <laughs> right now. All right, all right. Final question: What would you consider to be your theme song? If you had to choose one. Um. Hmm. I don't know if it's my theme song. Oh wait, there's a couple songs though. Uh, just one. So, the one that um comes to mind a lot just more recently is just hamilton soundtrack and i maybe like um the one the song about like you know not like the shot one just and but there's also the theme that sticks out like why do you write all the time and i just so many things that i connect with because i identify myself first as a writer so whenever i'm down or i need motivation i just listen to the soundtrack and i'm like yes i can write this article (laughs) i'll just uh just the whole soundtrack okay that's acceptable we'll go with the hamilton soundtrack i like it (laughs) That has been 10 questions with us clowns over here at For the Dreamers Podcast. And you have been the effervescent and the amazing Christy Salinas. Um, all right, Christy, before we let you go, you have to drop a gem on our audience. Just give us one thing that you want to leave them with. Um, it could be words of inspiration. It could be motivational. It could be anything that you want it to be. Just drop us with a gem before you leave. 
Hmm. It's better to be brave than to be quiet. That's what I tell myself all the time. Um, when I started this job, I didn't have any experience with influencers or community outreach or anything like that. And so I just kind of remind myself like the worst thing people can say is no. And so that's part of it. So anytime I feel like, Oh, should I say something or should I bring this up or should I reach out to this person? It's like, no, I'm going to be brave. So that's been made my own mantra this year. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, this has been an awesome interview. One of my favorites so far. And you've been an amazing guest with lots of knowledge to share. So thank you again for joining the podcast. And we hope to have you back on the show again to uh, to talk some more social and yeah. weird random questions and tidbits about koala bears. You know, if you did an episode on just weird questions, I'm down for that too. You know, we'll make it happen. We'll figure it out. So thanks again. Thank you. Oh, 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 o